Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Will Tucker. That's awesome, isn't it? Hey, great job with that. Hey, we are glad you are here this morning um, to begin this new series, Follow Me. And, you know, when I think about that term, follow me, it's something that... Um, you know, I think Gary did a great job of talking about baptism just a moment ago, of people making a public profession of faith to follow him. But it's something that happens not just in a moment, but it's something that happens every day of our life. We have to choose every day to follow after God. And so that's what we're going to look at throughout this series. And one of the things that you will notice throughout Scripture is that God often called people to follow him. And sometimes they were actually a bit reluctant to go, sometimes even running the opposite direction. Other times they dropped everything and followed him right then. And so those are some of the things we're going to look at. This week we're actually going to look at the example that Jesus set while he walked on the earth and how if we're calling ourselves a Christ follower, that we should be imitating the things that he did and we should be caring about the things that he cared about. Uh, Next week we're going to talk about a guy who actually ran the other direction and how when he ran the other direction, how God responded to that. And that's, I'm excited about that series because sometimes we don't think about how God responds when we don't follow him. And so um, it's exciting to do. And then the third week, you're in for a real treat. There's a guy named Rich Franzen who's going to be here. And he is coming from all the way from South Africa. He works with an organization there called Impact Africa that our church has been partnering, our student ministry has been partnering with for a number of years. He's going to share about how God led him to South Africa and what God is doing through Impact Africa today there. And so it's going to be an awesome series, and I'm glad you're here to join us this week. But you know, one of the interesting things about God's calling is that it's never next month, next year. When I get around to it, it's always right now when he calls. And so that's the title of today's message is Follow Me Now Now. Now, A lot of you know that my family spent about five years in Uganda before we began working here at Parkway. And one of the things that you will notice when you move, and I know a lot of you have experienced it with the oil industry and different ministries you've been involved with, living and working in other countries, you'll notice that people will communicate very similar things that you communicate, but they do it in a very different way. And so one of the things that stuck out to my wife and I is that very quickly we adopted the way of communicating. And so sometimes people, even friends here, coworkers will say, you talk funny, man. Um, and so one of the things that we would hear people say was, yes, yes, I'm on the way coming, now, now. And we're like, now, now. The first time I heard that, I was like, huh. And then I remember a time I was sitting at a restaurant eating lunch with a colleague, and I heard this guy come in, he was on the phone, and he sits down to, to um, get ready to order his food, and he says, yes, I'm on the way coming now. Well, I remember sitting there thinking, he's not on the way coming now. He sat down, he hasn't even ordered his food yet, and we all know this is going to take a long time, and yet he told the guy he's on the way coming now. Well, the guy on the other end of the phone knew very well that this guy wasn't going to be there for some hours because he only said, now. Now, if he had said, I'm on the way coming, now, now, the guy would have known, oh, okay, he's gonna be here in just a few minutes. Because you see, the word now had lost its original meaning. So, now, now was the new now. (laughs) So, I want us to talk about that for a minute because I think we have a similar word being Christ followers, that has also lost its original meaning in some ways, and and that's the word Christian. And it sounds bad to even say that, but 
you know, I think back in the day when someone said they were a Christian, we all knew what that meant, and we knew that what that meant about how they lived and what they believed and how they treated other people. And yet, one of the things you'll hear us use here a lot at Parkway is we'll use the term Christ follower. Now, they literally mean the exact same thing, but I like using the term Christ follower because I feel like it spurs me on to action. It helps me be accountable to practice what I preach. And so that's one of the things that we want to look at today as we think about what it means to be a Christ follower now now. So go ahead and get out your message notes, and let's, let's look at our first fill-in here. And this is the question we want to ask today. Why is it important for me to follow God now now? Number one, everything, every day, there are people in your life who need to experience Christ's love. Because every day, there are people in your life who need to experience Christ's love. Not tomorrow, not the next day, not a month from now, not when you feel like it, not when you get around to it. I'm confident that every day, God is giving you opportunities to share Christ's love with people. Okay, literally, two weeks ago, I was sitting in my office preparing this message. Now, I don't do this often, so it takes extremely long time to prepare a sermon. And so I was here late, and Shauna's calls. She's like, where are you? And I'm like, I know, I'm coming, I'm wrapping up, I promise, I'm on my way home. So I'll go out to the car, it's about 8, and I get in there, and I am about to drive off. And I notice out here, there was a car that was kind of stuck in the ditch, don't really know how it got there, but it was stuck in the ditch, and there was guys there, been there for a few days, and they were there trying to get it unstuck. And so I was like, okay, Lord, um, are you serious? Like, I've been here all day, it's really late, Sean's calling, like, I kind of want to go home. I felt that Holy Spirit nudge, like, you need to go help. So I went over, introduced myself. I think they were a little bit surprised because there was already a message on their, on their car from uh, the police saying, hey, your car's been here a long time. We're going to move it if you don't move it first. Um, and so I went out there and I, I introduced myself and said, hey, yeah, I work here. You know, how can I help you? And they're like, we just need help like, trying to push this thing out. So we eventually got the car unstuck and, and they headed on their way. But it was pretty cool because I got to talk to them, get to know them, hear about their families, and even invite them to come to church here. Now, they live over in Rosenberg, so I don't think they're ever going to actually come here, but there's a little seed possibly planted in their life. You never know. So I get in the car, and I drive home, and I live about three miles away, and I'm literally about to pull into my neighborhood, and right as I'm about to turn, a car passes, and I hear that their front tire is blown. <laughs> like, Lord, are you serious? Um, <laughs> I, you know, I already did that thing earlier, or you, you want me to do it again? And so um, I was like, you're really working on me with this sermon I was writing, but I was just writing the sermon. You want me to really live it out? Okay. So anyway, I pull over, and I look, and I see the red lights fly, uh, come on, and they pull over. And um, so I'm like, okay. So I get on the phone, drive over there, call Shauna. You're never going to believe this. Two people needed help with their car. I promise. It's right here outside the neighborhood. I'm, I'll be home soon. So I go, I pull up behind them. I'm going to find out it was two teenagers, front tires totally shredded, no idea how long they were driving on this tire, but apparently a long time. So parents teach your kids, um, like, flat tire, pull over to the side of the road. Flat tire, go ahead and pull over. So they were really pushing that one. So anyway, so I, I get the tire out of the back, the spare tire, and notice it does not have enough pressure. They're about to start trying to figure out how to jack the car up and put it on, and I'm like, guys, this is not going to work. I tell you what, you stay here. Keep your cell phone lights on and flashing lights. I'm going to run up the road. I'm going to get air in this tire and come back. I hope you, you'll get on your way. 
Now listen, within a 30 minute time period, at the very end of my day, there was two opportunities for me to choose to follow God, now, now, or to go about my business, my agenda, and what I had planned to do. And whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whether it's um, at home, at the grocery store, in your neighborhood, I'm confident that God is giving you opportunities every day to help other people experience Christ's love by you simply following that Holy Spirit nudge. Now listen, think about Jesus. I love thinking about Jesus in the example that he set when he was walking on the earth. Jesus was constantly being interrupted by people. Um, but you know what? The whole reason he came here was because of people. That was his agenda, people. People are Jesus' agenda. And so when he was preaching or teaching or going about his business and someone interrupted him, they needed to be healed, they needed to be prayed for, they needed to, whatever it is what they, they needed, he stopped what he had going on and he focused on them. You remember the time where the room was so crowded people couldn't get in and so they busted the roof open? Now, I know we didn't get the word out soon enough, so we don't have standing room only in here today that I was preaching, um, but you, know, you can imagine it being way more crowded than this, and people couldn't get in, and the roof like busting open and someone being lowered down to be prayed for and healed. That it, can you imagine? Like, that's pretty inconvenient. But Jesus stopped everything he had going on and focused on that person in that moment. I think about the time when Jesus had just heard that John the Baptist, his cousin, who was sent by God to proclaim the message that Jesus was coming to save the world, was beheaded. His cousin, this guy that he loved that was here to, to get people ready for him, was beheaded. And Jesus just wanted to get away. He wanted some time alone. And so we pick up here, if you look back at your message notes in Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, he says, when Jesus heard what had happened, talking about John the Baptist, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw the, a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Now I want you to underline that part right there. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, Jesus just wanted to get away and be alone for just a moment and think about the loss of his cousin. And yet, people just had to be healed. They had to come and, and, and be there. And so, he stops his agenda and he focuses on them. Some 5,000 people start showing up and, you know, I guess they were starting to get a little hungry at the end of the day. And so, his disciples come to him and said, you know, Lord, you just got to send them away to the, to the towns and the village just to get food because, we, we, you know, what are we going to do? And he's like, no, no, no. We'll just feed them here. You see, Jesus was about people, and that's it. That's why he came. As a matter of fact, the entire reason Jesus came to the earth is because his father and him loved you. He loved you, and he loved me, and I don't know if you're sitting here today and you haven't yet accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and said, yes, I'm ready to follow you, but you see, he knew that you couldn't do it on your own. He knew that I couldn't do it on my own. There was no way for me or you to get back to the Father, and so he came to take your sins and mine to the cross so that we have a way back to him. Now, let me ask you this. What are you, what are you waiting on? What's causing you to not take that step and give your life over to him? Is it because you're not quite ready, or maybe you're thinking, you know, I, I've still got some stuff I gotta get organized in my life, you know? If you knew my history, you know what? There's not a person in this room 
that's got their act together. I don't have my act together. That's why I need Jesus. That's why all these other people need Jesus, and that's why you need Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to stop what you're doing right now if you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Turn over to the back of your message notes and pray the prayer or one like it and ask Jesus to take over and tell him you're ready to be on the team. All right, well, let's um, continue on here and, and think about the fact that Jesus' agenda, again, was people. And it trumped any other agenda that he had. But what about you? What was the la- when was the last time you experienced somebody taking time out of their day or their agenda to help you? Whether it was that time you had the flat tire on the side of the road, or maybe you were at work and you were kind of you know, not having one of those good days and you're frustrated or you're really stressed, or maybe it's because you, you literally lost your entire home or so many things in Hurricane Harvey and you're just dealing with a lot of stress right now and somebody noticed and they said, how are you really doing? They took the time out of their busy day and said, oh, I'm gonna put that aside and see how you're doing. You remember how that made you feel? You remember how important you feel, you felt, how loved you felt, how cared for? Did it fix the problem? Probably not, but it gave you the ability to deal with the problem better, didn't it? You see, that person was Christ's answer for your cry for help. And listen, if that meant so much to you in that moment, will you take the time to do the same for somebody else? You know, God is calling us to do this every day. We're not to be just these Sunday church followers, Christians. We're to be Christ followers every day of the week. Now, I know some of you may be sitting here and you may be thinking, you know, I do have a lot of problems, and I've got a lot of struggles right now, and nobody has noticed my struggles. Nobody's taken the time to check in on me. Well, I'm sorry if that's what you've experienced. But I think that you have two options. You can become resentful, and you become bitter, or you can choose to not let anybody else in your life feel the same way that you feel right now. And I'm confident that if you will extend that grace and that love to other people, that God will meet you in your hour of need where you're at. Now, I want us to move on to the second point today, okay? So why is it so important for me to follow God now, now? It's because God, this is number two, God wants to use me to help rescue the world. All right, I want you to point at yourself as you say that. God wants to use me to help rescue the world. Now, you might be taken back by that statement, you know, God wants to use me to rescue the world. How can that even be possible? Well, I want us to look at some of the last words that Jesus said before he left this earth as we think about how we are a part of his plan. Now, let me give you a little background leading up to this passage that we're gonna read from the book of Acts. Jesus had, been, had risen from the dead. He had been traveling around for some 40 days and been seen by over 500 people, showing them that, hey, I'm alive. I'm not dead anymore. I rose from the dead and telling them about his plan. And man, people were fired up. They're like, this guy that we've been following for so long, for three years of giving my life to this guy, he just all of a sudden was killed. And I thought he was gonna take over. I thought Israel was gonna sit in its rightful place. What is going on? But now he's alive, so they're excited. They're like, Rome, you get ready. We're about to take over. And that's where we find ourselves in this passage here. It says, Acts chapter one, starting at verse six, it says, then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know that 
times or the date the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus was saying, look, my ministry on earth is over with me physically being here. But now it's about to explode because you are going to have my Holy Spirit and you're going to be my hands and feet in the world. And he's saying that to you. He's saying that you are going to be his hands and feet in the world to Katy and to Houston and to Texas and to the ends of the earth. All we have to do is say, yes, Lord, I'm ready to be on the team. I'm in the game. I'm ready to be used by you. And I think this will lead us into our final point today as we think about, well, how? How are we supposed to do this? How am I supposed to live this out? So this is the third fill-in here. It says, it's so important for me to follow God now now because I am not the only one missing out if I don't. I'm not the only one missing out if I don't. Now, you guys have heard me say many times, even uh, Pastor Mike was talking about it uh, the other day, just encouraging you to listen to podcasts and listen to sermons. Well, the other day, I was listening to a podcast by a lady by the name of Danielle Strickland. Danielle Strickland works for the Salvation Army, and she um, works around the world fighting against child slavery and human trafficking. Now, Danielle um, was talking about a time where she lived in a country of the world where it had recently legalized the sex industry, and so it made it very difficult. So if you can imagine like a grocery store and a gas station and an elementary school and a brothel all right there on the same corner, completely legal to be there, you could see how that would make that job pretty difficult to fight against. You know, can you imagine right here up here on 1463 next to the CVS at Cross Creek Ranch, there being a brothel right there just out in the open, totally okay for it to be there and people to... to to participate, um, pretty disturbing. So she's in this country and she's wrestling with, I don't even know where to begin, how do I do this? And she gets a phone call from a lady named Jan. Now Jan is a retired Baptist lady that lived in the area and she calls Danielle and they had met a few times and said, hey, I wanna meet you for coffee, I've got something I gotta share with you. So they meet for coffee and she says, so what's going on? She said, well, I'll just tell you, my cell phone number is two digits different from the local brothel's number. So I get the most disturbing phone calls all the time. I mean, constantly I'm getting these phone calls. My husband picks up my phone, gets these phone calls, totally disturbing the questions people are asking, and I'm just sick of it. So I decided I was gonna go down and change my number. Well, the morning I was gonna go down, I woke up and I was reading my Bible. Now, as I was reading my Bible, God interrupted me. Now, let me if God interrupts you reading his word, you better pay attention. He's probably got something pretty specific he wants to share with you. So she continues on and she says, he interrupts me and I felt like he was saying, don't change your number. There's something I'm trying to get you to do. God, I'm, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do. This is just disturbing. I want to just like, ugh, be away from it. Get away from this. And it's like, no. So she said, so that's why I'm here, Danielle. I'm here to ask you, what am I supposed to do? Because you're the expert. You're the one here working on this, this trouble that we have in our country. And so Danielle is totally at a loss. She doesn't even know where to begin. And she's like, well, this neighborhood thing. Okay, so you said it's in your neighborhood. What would you do, Jan, if someone in your neighborhood 
had an accident or was about to have a baby or had, you know, just moved in, what would you do? She's like, oh, that's easy. I would bake cupcakes. I would take them over to their house, introduce myself, and ask them if there's anything I can do to help. Like, that's it. That's what we're going to do. We're going to bake cupcakes and go take them to the local brothel. Shan's like, huh? Like, are you serious? She's like, I don't know. I don't know what to do either. Let's try it. Like, okay, I'll go bake cupcakes. So let's meet up Tuesday and we'll go. So they meet up Tuesday morning at Salvation Army headquarters. They pray about it. They get ready to go. And then Jan says, wait, Danielle, something else I got to tell you. God spoke to me again over the weekend. Like, wow, it's beginning to be kind of a habit God's doing to you. So what did he say this time? Well, he said, I felt like he was saying I needed to go alone. Why, why would you want to go alone? Why would he say that? Like, I'm the expert. That's why you came to me. I'm going to be your support as we go. I've been into these places. You haven't. It's like, I know. I'm scared. But I feel like he's saying I need to go alone because you are the professional, but I am the neighbor. I don't know if that hit you like it did me. When I got to that point of the story, it's like, wow. I'm the neighbor. You know, oftentimes I want to pass the buck. I want to, you know, call the counselor and say, hey, I got this friend and, you know, I don't really know what to do, so can you talk to him? Um, And, you know, sometimes it's kind of inconvenient. It's like not just a day thing. This could be months of interaction. So, but maybe what God wants is for me, that neighbor, that coworker, or that friend who God conveniently and organically put into that person's life to be there. For that person. That's what I think he's calling us to. So, okay, we go back to the story here. Danielle um, says, okay, so Jan goes up to the door. Danielle drives her over there, waits in her car, kind of watching and praying as she goes in. As she goes in, knocks on the door, and this man opens the door, I guess the manager, and he says, uh, can I help you? Not every day that a retired Baptist lady comes and knocks on the door of a brothel, and so um, he, she says, yeah, I've got cupcakes. Um, I, you know, live in the neighborhood and just thought I'd come by and introduce myself. I'm sorry I haven't come by until now. It's like, okay, uh, come on in. And so Danielle says she sees her go in. She's like, she just went in. Oh, my goodness. And so she's not knowing what's happening. She's praying even harder. She comes back out. Danielle meets up and is like, what happened? You got to tell me what happened. She said, it was amazing. She said, I got to meet all of the girls. Gave them cupcakes. We sat around and visited for a few minutes. And I'm going back there again next Tuesday. She said, can you imagine, Danielle, if I had changed the number on my phone? If I had decided to not follow God in that moment and gone about my business and not been inconvenienced? I don't know what God's going to do with this, but I'm going back next week. And I'm excited because I'm going to get to start developing a relationship with these ladies. And eventually, I'm going to share the message of Christ with them. So awesome. Well, Danielle's like, sweet, cupcakes. So she takes off and she goes and gets all these other people to start baking cupcakes for brothels all over the country. And today, they literally have 68 brothels they visit every single week. They've stopped tons of human trafficking rings that are happening, all because, that's right, all because one retired Baptist lady said, okay, God, I'll follow you. I'm scared. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I've never done this, but I'll do it. I'm going to go. Now, I've got to find where I was. I kind of got excited about that story there. Um, now, 
I want us to look at a verse as we wrap up today. And it's a verse that you've heard before. You've heard Pastor Mike share it before um, and others. But it's a verse that I think we really need to think about as we close today. And it comes from Ephesians 2.10. And it simply says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, I want you to go back, I want you to cross out a few words, and I want us to make this a little bit more personal. So, you see the words we are at the beginning right there? I want you to cross those out, and I want you to write I am. I want you to go to the end, and you see the word us. I want you to cross that out and write the word me. Now, I want us to read this again together, okay? All right, so here we go. For I am God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for me to do. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.